at this idea tonight of belonging to God. And, and we've looked at all these different aspects of identity, and we've kind of come to this ending spot where we need to really evaluate this idea of belong, like what is our true identity. And I love the line in there where he says, remember who you are, you know. Uh, and, and I think a lot of times uh, we, we tend to forget who we are, right? We, we allow ourselves to get tied up in all these different aspects of our identity, all these things we've been talking about over the last few weeks, and we forget who we are. So it's, uh, it's been a while now, I mean, almost two months. I know we missed a couple Wednesdays in there, but it's been almost two months we've been looking at this idea of identity. And, and like I told you guys, um, it, it was just really crazy that before I even got the job at this church, um, I felt like God was preparing me to teach a series on identity. And I've really enjoyed getting to really walk through this. And I think I, I'm speaking from this side of it. I don't know about your side, but I really feel like um, that you guys have taken a lot from this and that it's spoken to a lot of different things going on in your lives um, just from the conversations I've had with you guys. But today we finally come to the end of this series. And I hope um, that you guys have learned and understood that our culture has a major identity crisis on hand and that honestly it's only going to get worse. Um, this is not something that, that theoretically is going to fix itself. People are going to continue to place their identity in places that they shouldn't, and that's going to have effects that last into other relationships they have. If they have children, they'll, they'll pass on those things to their children, and it's just going to continue to spiral out of control. And you know, this really makes sense because um, if everyone understood that our true identity was in God, then the whole world would be living to serve Him. However, uh, we worry about our identity and we try to place it in other places. Um, and it takes our focus off God and allows the enemy to gain a foothold in our life. And ultimately, um, you know, the, the, the enemy, uh, you, you probably hear him referred to as Satan or, or the devil or whatever. But the enemy is trying to uh, detour us and detract us from, from God's purpose for our lives, because he does not want us to fulfill the purpose that God has set forward, because God's plan is to, to allow us to prosper and to use us in a mighty way. And, and you know, ultimately, our, our mission and our goal is to serve God and to make his name known. And if, if you're unsure about how your identity lies with God, I, I want to circle back to a verse that I read on the very first night that we covered identity, that way back at the beginning of January, and it was Galatians 3, uh, 26 through 29. And it says, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus, for all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you all are one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are of Abraham's seed and heir according to the promise. And we went back, if you remember, and looked at this promise to Abraham that God gave back in the Old Testament. And we really evaluated what it meant to be a child of God and that through faith in Jesus Christ that we have the promise of God on our side. And, and you know, 
I think that's so interesting about this passage is that it, it takes all these things. If you remember the first night, we talked about all the things that make up our identity, like where we're from, what we do, who our family is. It takes all those things in this verse, and it, it radically transforms them into things that make God our identity, right? The things that we think make our identity, God takes and makes our identity in him. And you, if you put your faith in Christ, you, are no, you no longer have an identity crisis because your identity is in God, and in, in God we are all one. And I hope you understand and acknowledge that God created you, and he designed you with all the aspects of the false identities that we looked at, all the skills, the experiences you've had, um, what, what were some of the other, the friends that you have, uh, the, the, the attitude you have, which attitude can be good, right? We, we, attitude always gets a bad rap, but you can have a good attitude. Or, or the looks that you have. Like God created you exactly how he wanted you. And all these things where we place our identity, he gave you those. He designed you that way because he wants to use that. <clears throat> but understand this. If you, if you, you were perfectly created unique and perfect to, to fulfill God's plan and for him to use you. And if you place your faith in God, accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, not only do you gain eternal life with God in heaven, which is so often what people talk about. That's like the sales pitch, right? It's like, accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior because you get into heaven, right? Like that, and that is a, a beautiful and glorious uh, effect of accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior, but you also give yourself an identity, and you give yourself a purpose for your life, and I hope that everyone in here has done that and accepted this purpose and this identity for their life, and, and, and done this in a manner that is serious, because being a casual Christian helps nobody, right? If you're a casual Christian, meaning like, oh, you say you're a Christian, but then if people saw the way you live, they never would have thought you were a Christian. All that does is that makes people think badly about Christians, right? It doesn't help point people to God. It doesn't help you get any closer to God. But if you, a casual Christian helps nobody. And so tonight we're going to look at three aspects of our lives that we need to pursue and, and to work to be stronger in so that we don't fall into this category of a casual Christian, okay? So, so we're going to look at three identifying aspects of being a Christian and how we can strive to be better in these areas. So if you are taking notes, these are the three things. You, I'm not going to tell you all three right now, but we're going to jump into the first thing. This is the first thing you need to write down. And it is to be the best son or daughter that you can be. So be the best child you can be. <clears throat> I'm going to read Ephesians 6, 1 and 2 to you. It says, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. Guys, I, I get it. Today, family structure has been thrown out the window. We have family structures all over the place. People, kids being raised by grandparents, aunts, uncles. And, and I mean, we do still have some people being raised by both of their biological parents, but it's just becoming, the statistics say that that is so rare now. So we have family structures all over the places. So when I say honor your father and mother, like I, I mean this in one, a biological sense, but also in a sense of respect for who's raising you, 
right? Respect for your guardian because they are acting as your parent or as this would refer to as father and mother. And, and you know, I, I also understand that parents sometimes do really crummy things to their kids. And, and that's really, really unfortunate. And, and if, if you've been in a situation like that, I, my heart breaks for you. It really does. But Scripture tells us that we are to honor our father and mother. And it does not give like an asterisk that says, unless they do this or unless they are whatever. It says, honor your father and mother. And, you know, we're, we're called to honor your parents, to obey your parents and to treat them with respect, even if sometimes that feels so wrong or so far off. And many times, like I said, this isn't easy. But, but God doesn't always call us to do what's easy. He calls us to do what's right. And, and so honoring your father and mother may be one of the most challenging things you ever do in your entire life, but it's what God's called you to do. It's what you're directed to do as a follower of God. And, and I want to look at all these aspects all these three things we're going to walk through have not only an earthly application, but a spiritual application as well. So, so from this idea of honor your father and mother, we have this earthly aspect of literally honoring and respecting and obeying your parents, your earthly parents. But we also have um, our, a heavenly father in God himself. And, and our willingness to respect and honor our, worth, our earthly parents will condition us or will train us to do the same towards God. And, and we should devote ourselves to truly being the best child we can be. And, and honestly, it, it breaks my heart to see how often as humans we disobey and disrespect God. And, and guys, myself is included in that, right? Well, scripture says all sin and fall short of the glory of God, meaning that every single one of us in here, every human on the face of the earth has sinned and has disobeyed and disrespected God. And it breaks my heart to see how common that's getting in our society and in our world today. People just disobey and disrespect God without even thinking a second thing about it. And, and so what we're looking at here is we, we must be devoted to being the best child to, of God that we can be. And this means putting aside our priorities and spending time with him, listening to his instructions and following his commands. <coughs> I think of that, that clip from Lion King. And, um, you know, it's, he, he's sitting there and he says, you must go back and claim your place, right? To be the rightful king. And I feel like so many times that's God with us. And we're like, but I don't want to go back. That doesn't sound fun. Like I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to face a lot of things that I don't want to face. And God looks at us and says, you must take your rightful place in, in my plan and my will. And so it's our responsibility to, to follow God and to, to trust that he has a plan for our life and that he wants to use us and the skills that he's given us for the betterment of his kingdom. And, and you know, even though God's perfect, like we, we can understand God is perfect. His love is perfect. He's perfect in all he is and all he does. But just like with our earthly parents, a lot of times it's very, very difficult to obey and, and fully honor God. It's not easy to do this. 
And, and it's, it's here that we see that this idea of, of honoring your parents and obeying your parents is not dependent on how perfect your parents are, right? You could have the worst parents in the world, or you could have a perfect holy father, but you're still called to honor them, and it's not easy either way. God is a perfect father, and it doesn't make it any easier to honor him and obey him. Honoring your parents is not conditional on who your parents are or how they act. You are called to honor, to commit to honor your parents, both earthly and heavenly, in everything that you do. So first, we must strive to be the best child, the best son or daughter that we can be. Second thing is we're called to be the best sibling that we can be. And again, this doesn't just mean family. Right? This doesn't just mean our earthly family. Romans 12.10 tells us that we are to be devoted to each other. This is Paul talking to Christians, saying to be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Right, And, and if you know uh, anything about Greek, there's three words for love. Right, There's agape, which is unconditional, and then there's uh, philos is the second one, which is brotherly love. If you've ever heard the city, Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. It's the philo that starts it. It's philos, and that's what it's saying here, is that Christians are to be committed to each other with a philos, a brotherly love. This love that you have for a sibling. And, you know, to to honor uh, one another, to honor each other above ourselves. We see these same words as honor your father and mother, as it says to honor fellow Christians as, as your brothers. <clears throat> we are to honor one another as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. You want to talk about identity and identifying characteristics? Jesus specifically tells the disciples in John 13 that the world would know that they are his disciples, that, that the world will know that they, and this translates to us, the world will know that we follow Jesus because of the way we love each other. And, and, I, and I, sometimes I look around this room, and, and I'm not calling anyone out here, I'm, I'm genuinely not, but I look around this room, or I hear people talking about like, oh, I don't like them, or oh, they drive me insane. And that is not the call that God has placed. That, that is not the love that identifies us as followers of Jesus. It says, the world will know you for the love you have for one another. That means the love that we have for one another should be unlike any love that you've ever experienced in your life. We are called to love one another and to encourage and guide one another towards love and service to God. And, and let me just say, if you don't know this about me, I have a brother, okay? I have a little brother. He's three years younger than me. And we don't always see eye to eye on things, okay? Like, I get what it's like having a sibling, okay? My brother drove me insane growing up. I love sports. I love to go outside and play wiffle ball or flag football or basketball. My brother wanted to stay inside and build Legos, okay? So we were not the same. We didn't get along. We were not compatible, if we wanted, we didn't have like cool video games like you guys have now. We had like Nintendo 64 games, which I think are still cool, but whatever. But I always wanted to play like Madden 99. Yeah, I'm that old. But I wanted to play like Madden 99, Madden 2000. And he wanted to play like, like first person shooters, like the original first person shooters. And so like we couldn't even get along in what video games we wanted to play. Like we did not get along about anything. 
<clears throat> and, we, and growing up, we fought quite a bit. <clears throat> but if you don't treat your fellow Christians and your biological siblings with love, honor, and encouragement, either way, you are not following God's desire for your life. Scripture is very clear that you are to love, honor, and encourage not only your Christian brothers and sisters, but your biological brothers and sisters as well. And, and trust me, if anyone knows how hard that is, it's me. Because I have had to put up with my brother. Now, I love my brother. Uh, but, but um, you know, I, I understand how difficult that is and how challenging it is sometimes to love your brothers and sisters. So we are to be the best child that we can be, and we're to be the best sibling we can be. And the final thing, if, if you're taking notes, so we've got child, sibling, and the final thing is we are to be the best student that we can be. And, and I felt like everyone in the room just hate me, like all at the same time. Like, I don't want to be a good student. That sounds awful. But hear me out, okay? Hear me out. <coughs> Again, this is a twofold idea. This is a, has an earthly sense and a spiritual sense. You may feel, you know, this is not just meant to be good students of God's word. It's meant to be good students at school as well, as, as much as you may not want to hear that. But you may feel limited in your ability to fulfill God's will in your life because of school. Uh, I mean, after all, school does dictate the majority of your schedule. Um, it probably dictates the majority of your social life. Um, school gets to choose a lot of things that you do because it consumes most of your day. But see, this is where you've missed that God doesn't intend for school to limit the way you serve him. God intends for school to enhance the way that you serve him. God has accounted for all that we, um, ha has accounted for all that we encounter and go through in our daily lives. He has you in school because that's where he wants to use you, right? He doesn't just have you in school for no purpose. He has you in school because that's his plan for you. You are fulfilling his plan by being in, in school and, and in, impacting and influencing those around you with the way that you live your life. We have to realize that our circumstances, down to the classmates you sit beside, the teacher you have, or even sometimes the homework you get assigned— all have spiritual value that can be used for God's glory. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whatever you eat or drink and whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. We are to do everything. Every minute detail of our lives is supposed to be done to glorify God. 1 Corinthians 10.31 God doesn't have you go to school to tie your hands from doing His work. He sends you to school with an opportunity to, to do his work, to reach people that without going to that school, you probably would have never met. I mean, just think for a second. If you never went to school, how many people that you know and that maybe are your friends, you would have never met? Yeah, there's some that maybe you live by, so you probably would have met them, but a lot of people in your school, you probably would have never met if you never went to school. We're designed to reach people that without school we probably would have never met and to reveal the love and the grace of God to them by the way that you live your life. The, the other line that it said in, in that, the Lion King video 
was he lives in you, right? And I love the, I love the imagery of him looking down into the water and seeing his reflection and then looking down and seeing his father's reflection, essentially. And it's this idea that when we look at ourselves, a lot of times we see ourselves, but what we should truly see is we should see Jesus. People should see Jesus when they look at us. And we are to be the face of Jesus. Some of the people that you guys know, some of the people you interact with at school, you may be the only picture of Jesus they ever see in their entire life. So you better make sure that that picture is a good one. That's why the casual Christian doesn't help anybody. (coughs) Guys, we're to reveal his love and his grace to them by the way you live your life. God wants us to be the best students of him that we can be. He wants us to read his word. This is a spiritual side. He wants us to read his word and, and listen to people who teach. I'm not just going to say myself, Pastor Aaron, people who teach Bible school, other adults that teach Sunday school, people who teach God's word. God wants you to read his word. He wants you to listen to people that teach. And ultimately, he wants us all to desire to know him the best we possibly can. Because the better knowledge we have about him, the more we are in tune with his plan and his will. I had a basketball coach my senior year, and I loved him. I spent a ton of time with him. Like, I'd stay after practice, and I'd keep shooting and everything. But I got to know him really well. And when I understood what he was trying to do with his game plan, it made it easier for me to go out there and fulfill it, right? Because I knew we were, like, in sync, We knew each other, and I knew what he wanted me to do, even if it wasn't part of the technical play. And it's the same thing with God. If we're in tune with God, if we're learning from God, if if we're reading God's word every day, we'll understand what God's trying to accomplish. We'll understand how all this bad stuff that happens in our life ultimately has a purpose to serve God. How, How every good thing that happens helps us serve God. How every blah thing that happens helps us to serve God. We'll understand all these things. Ultimately, we'll be more equipped. The more equipped we are to follow his plan and fulfill his life, his plan for our life. That's what we're striving for, is to be better equipped to serve him. Guys, understanding your identity has enormous spiritual implications for your life. We've got to be aware of these false identities that we've talked about so that we can guard against them. That's why we kind of walked through them over the last few weeks. And we have to remain focused on our one true identity, which is in Christ. And to understand the power and the potential that we have in Christ to impact the world for God's kingdom. Guys, that's God's plan, is to use you. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, God chose you, and he wants to use you. It's up to you to accept that call, right? We said that on the first night, that only you can determine your identity. No one else. You can choose whether or not you want to follow God. You can choose if you want to fulfill that plan that he's placed on your life. But it's all up to you. I'm going to pray, and then we can get some birthday cake. (coughs) God, thank you so much for tonight. God, I thank you for 
all the different ways that you've created me to be unique. I pray that you would help me to use all these ways to serve you, God, that we would, that we would just have an ability to do your will, to understand it. pray that you would give us a, a desire to pursue the knowledge of you, to pursue the knowledge of your will. God, we pray that you would just help us to understand how everything that happens in our life works out for a purpose. We pray that you would reveal that to us. We pray that you would help us to see it in all that we do. God, I thank you so much for these students, and I pray that you would just help guard their minds and their hearts from all the things that this world throws at them, all the false identities that this world tries to place on them, that you would just protect them from that and help them to realize that their one true identity lies only in you, God. Pray that you would give them the strength to pursue that and to continue to serve you in all that they do to use all their skills and abilities to serve you alone, God. God, we thank you for these students who are here. We pray a blessing on them as we go from here.